Welcome to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. Your face. 
the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort. Here by faith in Him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Savior leads me, tears each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul first may be gushing from Spring of joy I see Gushing from the rock before me No, a spring of joy I see
This is Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.
Of distress and grief. 
my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by
listening to Songs of Praise.
grace to cheer us and keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the
that life has to give. And I know that all things work together for good to those who live. According to my purpose, for I have chosen you. And I know, I know that I'll see you through. Australia Radio's Songs of Praise. Stand, who will stand in a sea of sin And live for the truth Grow strong from within Stand, who will stand When all other 
listen to my cry Give it to my prayer It does not arise from deceit May my vindication come from you May your eyes see what is right Though you probe my heart And examine me at night Though you test me you will find There is nothing there I've resolved my mouth It will not sin against you Cause for the deeds of evil men, oh Lord By the word of your lips I have kept myself From the ways of violent men Keep me as the apple of your eye Hide me in the shadow of your wings The steps of hell to your paths my feet have not slipped I call on you oh God for you oh Lord answer me show the wonder of your love oh Lord give your ear to my prayer from enemies you saved those who hide in you keep me as the apple Listening to Songs of Praise, a production of Threb in Australia Radio. Welcome to Threb in Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Gain That Is Loss. The Lord had caused vegetation to flourish and the fields to bring forth abundantly, The rich man was in perplexity as to what he should do with his produce. His barns were full to overflowing, and he had no place to put the surplus of his harvest. He did not think of God, from whom all his mercies had come. He did not realize that God had made him a steward of his goods, that he might help the needy. He had a blessed opportunity of being God's almoner, but he thought only of ministering to his own comfort.' 
The situation of the poor, the orphan, the widow, the suffering, the afflicted, was brought to this rich man's attention. There were many places in which to bestow his goods. He could easily have relieved himself of a portion of his abundance, and many homes would have been freed from want, many who were hungry would have been fed, many naked clothed, many hearts made glad, many prayers for bread and clothing answered, and a melody of praise would have ascended to heaven. The Lord had heard the prayers of the needy, and of his goodness he had prepared for the poor. Psalm 68 verse 10. Abundant provision for the wants of many had been made in the blessings bestowed upon the rich man. But he closed his heart to the cry of the needy and said to his servants, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This man's aims were no higher than those of the beasts that perish. He lived as if there were no God, no heaven, no future life, as if everything he possessed were his own, and he owed nothing to God or man. The psalmist described this rich man when he wrote, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Psalm 14 verse 1 This man has lived and planned for self. He sees that the future is abundantly provided for. There is nothing for him now but to treasure and enjoy the fruits of his labours. He regards himself as favoured above other men and takes credit to himself for his wise management. He is honoured by his fellow townsmen as a man of good judgment and a prosperous citizen. For men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. Psalm 49, 18. But the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. 1 Corinthians 3.19 While the rich man is looking forward to years of enjoyment, the Lord is making far different plans. The message comes to this unfaithful steward, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Here is a demand that money cannot supply. The wealthiest treasured can purchase no reprieve. In one moment, that which he has toiled through his whole life to secure becomes worthless to him. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? His broad fields and well-filled granaries pass from under his control. He heapeth up riches, and knoweth not who shall gather them. Psalm 39, verse 6. The only thing that would be of value to him now he has not secured. In living for self, he has rejected that divine love which would have flowed out in mercy to his fellow men. Thus he has rejected life. For God is love, and love is life. This man has chosen the earthly rather than the spiritual, and with the earthly he must pass away. Man that is in honour and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Psalm 49 verse 20. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. The picture is true for all time. You may plan for merely selfish good. You may gather together treasure. You may build mansions great and high, as did the builders of ancient Babylon. But you cannot build walls so high or gates so strong 
as to shut out the messengers of doom. Belshazzar the king feasted in his palace and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood and of stone. But the hand of one invisible wrote upon his walls the words of doom, and the tread of hostile armies was heard at his palace gates. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain, and an alien monarch sat upon the throne. Daniel 5 verse 30 To live for self is to perish. Covetousness, the desire of benefit for self's sake, cuts the soul off from life. It is the spirit of Satan to get, to draw to self. It is the spirit of Christ to give, to sacrifice self for the good of others. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12. Wherefore he says, Take heed, and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. A great gulf fixed. This chapter is based on Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, Christ shows that in this life men decide their eternal destiny. During probationary time, the grace of God is offered to every soul. But if men waste their opportunities in self-pleasing, they cut themselves off from everlasting life. No after-probation will be granted them. By their own choice, they have fixed an impassable gulf between them and their God. This parable draws a contrast between the rich who have not made God their dependence and the poor who have made God their dependence. Christ shows that the time is coming when the position of the two classes will be reversed. Those who are poor in this world's goods, yet who trust in God and are patient in suffering, will one day be exalted above those who now hold the highest positions the world can give, but who have not surrendered their life to God. There was a certain rich man, Christ said, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. The rich man did not belong to the class represented by the unjust judge, who openly declared his disregard for God and man. He claimed to be a son of Abraham. He did not treat the beggar with violence or require him to go away because the sight of him was disagreeable. If the poor, loathsome specimen of humanity could be comforted by beholding him as he entered his gates, the rich man was willing that he should remain. But he was selfishly indifferent to the needs of his suffering brother. There were then no hospitals in which the sick might be cared for. The suffering and needy were brought to the notice of those to whom the Lord had entrusted wealth, that they might receive help and sympathy. Thus it was with the beggar and the rich man. Lazarus was in great need of help, for he was without friends, home, money or food. Yet he was allowed to remain in this condition day after day, while the wealthy nobleman had every want supplied. The one who was abundantly able to relieve the sufferings of his fellow creature lived to himself 
as many live today. There are today close beside us many who are hungry, naked and homeless. A neglect to impart of our means to these needy, suffering ones places upon us a burden of guilt which we shall one day fear to meet. All covetousness is condemned as idolatry. All selfish indulgence is an offence in God's sight. God had made the rich man a steward of his means, and it was his duty to attend to just such cases as that of the beggar. The command had been given, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Deuteronomy 6.5 And thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. Leviticus 19 verse 18 The rich man was a Jew, and he was acquainted with the command of God. But he forgot that he was accountable for the use of his entrusted means and capabilities. The Lord's blessings rested upon him abundantly, but he employed them selfishly to honour himself, not his Maker. In proportion to his abundance was his obligation to use his gifts for the uplifting of humanity. This was the Lord's command, but the rich man had no thought of his obligation to God. He lent money and took interest for what he loaned, but he returned no interest for what God had lent him. He had knowledge and talents, but he did not improve them. Forgetful of his accountability to God, he devoted all his powers to pleasure. Everything with which he was surrounded, his round of amusements, the praise and flattery of his friends, ministered to his selfish enjoyment. So engrossed was he in the society of his friends that he lost all sense of his responsibility to cooperate with God in his ministry of mercy. He had opportunity to understand the word of God and to practice its teachings. But the pleasure-loving society he chose so occupied his time that he forgot the God of eternity. The time came when a change took place in the condition of the two men. The poor man had suffered day by day, but he had patiently and quietly endured. In the course of time he died and was buried. There was no one to mourn for him, but by his patience in suffering he had witnessed for Christ, he had endured the test of his faith, and at his death he is represented as being carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Lazarus represents the suffering poor who believe in Christ. When the trumpet sounds and all that are in the graves hear Christ's voice and come forth, they will receive their reward, for their faith in God was not a mere theory, but a reality. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. In this parable, Christ was meeting the people on their own ground. The doctrine of a conscious state of existence between death and the resurrection was held by many of those who were listening to Christ's words. The Saviour knew of their ideas, and he framed his parable so as to inculcate important truths through these preconceived opinions. He held up before his hearers a mirror wherein they might see themselves in their true relation to God. 
he used the prevailing opinion to convey the idea he wished to make prominent to all, that no man is valued for his possessions, for all he has belongs to him only as lent by the Lord. A misuse of these gifts will place him below the poorest and most afflicted man who loves God and trusts in him. Christ desires his hearers to understand that it is impossible for men to secure the salvation of the soul after death. Son, Abraham, is represented as answering, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, that thou would come from thence. Thus Christ represented the hopelessness of looking for a second probation. This life is the only time given to man in which to prepare for eternity. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. enjoy the short presentation of how God led his people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. Funds had been raised by Sabbath school members in California to send a missionary team down to Australia. The intention was to open the work in Australia, but God had additional plans in store. Headed by SN Haskell, the team stopped here in New Zealand for four to five days en route in 1885. Impressed by the friendliness of the people and noting the libraries in town, Haskell commented that the people must be interested in learning and would therefore make good prospects for learning Bible truths. After settling in Melbourne, he decided to return to America and stopped off in New Zealand on the way. He had heard of a group of Sunday-keeping Adventists and found accommodation with Edward and Lizzie Hare. They introduced him to others in the area and he held some meetings over the course of a few weeks. Breaking the evangelistic rule, he presented the Sabbath on the first night and the second coming on the second night. They were convinced and encouraged him to visit the rest of the Hare family who lived north in Cairo. Deciding not to return to the US, he stayed with the Hare family in Cayo, about 250 kilometers north of Auckland. This area is rich in religious history, with the Methodist, Anglican, Catholic, and Seventh-day Adventist churches having roots in the area. Here he met the patriarch of the family, Joseph Hare, an Irish orangeman, who along with his family lived in a house on the mound behind me. He also met his son, Robert, and both of them were preachers. Haskell was invited to speak and spoke for three consecutive Sundays, along with evening meetings and also holding Bible studies during the day in the home. The 
hair family decided to keep the Sabbath, and this chemist behind me would end up being one of the first church buildings that they met in. Robert, the son, had a difficult decision to make. He was engaged to be married. The house had been built, the furniture had been ordered, but his bride-to-be objected to his new beliefs. It was marriage or the Sabbath. She wouldn't convert and he wouldn't compromise. The marriage was off and he left for America to study for the ministry at Healdsburg College. Haskell returned in 1886 and ran a two-week evangelistic series. And before he left, he organized the KO Seventh-day Adventist Church, the first in New Zealand on the 23rd of March, 1886. Haskell sent a good report to the General Conference and requested an evangelist be sent. The choice was 28-year-old A.G. Daniels, who would later go on to be the longest-serving General Conference president. A.G. Daniels brought with him a 15-square-meter marquee that was pitched here in this park, along with a pedal organ, and together with his wife, lived in a tent on site. A.G. Daniels would lead the first evangelistic tent series in Auckland and drew large crowds. And at the end of 17 weeks of meetings, a Sabbath school with 78 members was started. Later on, a small wooden church was built on McKelvey Street with 67 charter members. And the first service took place on the 15th of October, 1887. This was the first church built in the Southern Hemisphere and still stands today as part of the Ponsonby Seventh-day Adventist Church. Robert Hare would soon return from the USA with his American bride, Henrietta Johnson, and thrust himself into the work here. A few years later, a conference would be formed and the work would progress to the South Island with S.N. Haskell, amongst others, starting the church there as well. A few years later, the conference would split into two in 1915. A college was also started at Longburn on the south part of the North Island. When Ellen White was in the South Pacific, she spent some time here helping to establish the church and spoke at the first New Zealand camp meeting and also began writing on the life of Christ while she was down here. And so the stop on the journey to Australia turned into a lot more than just a few days rest. God had bigger plans than just rest and relaxation. S.N. Haskell's return journey to America never materialized then, and instead the church was birthed here in this beautiful country. Sometimes we have big plans that we want God to accomplish, and whilst that's good to have, we must always be open to God turning things around and remember, as Isaiah says, that His ways are higher than our ways. To view more episodes in this series, visit lineagejourney.com.